Welcome to Weber Wenzel Legal Insights. With over 150 years of experience and deep industry knowledge, Weber Wenzel is the leading full-service law firm on the African continent. Good day and welcome to all of you who are listening in. Uh, my name is Johan Willifu. I'm a partner at Weber Wenzel. I specialize in employment law and I will be hosting today's panel discussion, which is uh, related to issues affecting foreign employees or expats working in South Africa. Uh, this is a fairly complex subject. It touches on various aspects of immigration law, labor law and tax law. And uh, to help uh, refine and focus our discussion, we'll have a question and answer session and we'll do it on three distinct topics. The first session will cover whether expat workers fall under South African employment law and various aspects relating to those contracts that you enter into with an expat. In the second session, we'll pose uh, common questions around work visas and the employment contracts. And in the third and final discussion, we will look at restructuring employment contracts for expats working in South Africa. Now, to guide us through, we have a distinguished panel here, and we're joined by three experts. The first one is Andreas Grenzel. He's the Chief Executive Officer of IBN Immigration Solutions. That's a company that provides specialist immigration services here in South Africa, also in other uh, African countries and they serve both multinationals and private individuals. From Weber Wenzel's side, we have June Chong. She's a partner in our tax practice and has broad experience in tax issues relating to employment as well. Kirsten Iser is the other partner. She's a specialist like me in employment law. Welcome to our third session of the Web Eventual podcast with IBM Immigration Solutions, where we discuss issues affecting expats working in South Africa. Today, we will discuss you know, the contracts of expats deployed in South Africa, and particularly now with the onset of a lockdown and the COVID-19 pandemic, um, we need to discuss the restructuring of such contracts if needed. Um, let's pose our first question to Kirsten. Kirsten, um, is a South African hosting company legally responsible for bearing the full cost around an expat's assignment to South Africa? Um, how can that be structured? So this will very much depend on the contract of employment, so what's been agreed um, between the employee um, and the company, and also what's been agreed between the local office and the foreign office. What type of uh, tools do the South African employers have if they want to reduce this financial burden linked to a deployed expat in South Africa? What what can they do to lessen that financial burden, particularly now in the current COVID-19 situation? So a very extreme action would be to terminate that employment relationship. There would have to be grounds for terminating that relationship. So um, your fair reason, which perhaps in these circumstances could be operational requirements, um, and they'd also have to then follow follow the procedure. A less extreme measure uh, that could be followed is to look at reducing certain benefits and allowances. Um, this can be done uh, with agreement, so these are negotiated, 
Um, a good example of that was with your intracompany transfer uh, visa. You might still have that the employee has certain allowances their country of origin that may not be applicable right now. So they could look at, at, at reducing those. That would kind of be your best way um, of reducing benefits, but it would all have to be done with agreement. Thank you for that, Kirsten. Then also what happens, you know, in the current COVID-19 uh, pandemic situation, um, where, for instance, the, the visa of an expat is revoked uh, by the government, um, is it a legal basis for stopping to pay him or paying him allowances? So it would it would definitely depend on the circumstances. Um, one circumstance that's, that we've come um, across is where the um, foreign employee was actually in his home country when the visa was cancelled and they were unable uh, to come back. But they've still been rendering services um, internationally. In those circumstances, you know, they're able to render services and honour the contract. So you wouldn't be able to just terminate allowances, but perhaps some of those allowances aren't applicable anymore. So they don't need their local South African rent paid. And you could look and discuss with them cancelling that. Um, a situation though could arise uh, where that employee is overseas, unable to render services in South Africa, which is actually a requirement. For example, you don't want necessarily want your CEO to be running the business um, from overseas. And in that way, it may be argued that because of COVID, there is supervening impossibility of performance. And that's um, a common law contractual um, issue. And in those circumstances, it could be argued that the no work, no pay principle applies. Thank you um, for that, Kirsten. Um, Andreas, turning to you, uh, what are the immigration-related obligations for the employer when the employment relationship ends? So the first obligation is really to notify home affairs um, that the employment relationship has, has ended. Um, how do you do that practically? Basically, you take the um, exit stamp of the, of the expat or the foreigner who has left South Africa and you email it at the moment to home affairs and that's um, you know, following the obligation then they're meeting the requirements. And the second one is then you need to keep the records of any foreigner for at least two years um, after the employment relationship has ended. So there are really two major requirements. Uh, thank you, Andreas. Um, just related to that, um, both to you and to Kirsten, a question, um, what are the immigration obligations on the one side and the labor law implications on the other? when, in fact, in respect of a South African hosting entity, divisions are sold or restructured? How does that impact on the, the expat? Where there's been restructuring, um, what must always be kept in mind is that the employment relationship still subsists in South Africa. So the employment law still applies uh, to that expat. And um, that, that individual should be treated as would any South African employee. You could have a situation, though, where the restructuring has an impact um, on the specific type of visa. So there's like a change of, of employer and, and that has an impact. Um, and what you might have to do then, the employer might be forced uh, to terminate uh, the relationship because there's been a transfer and uh, the employee, employee can't simply just transfer over. Um, and so you'd have to then look at your operational requirements and the specific circumstances. Yeah, maybe if I can add uh, something to that. So from an immigration perspective, we need to obviously be aware of the fact that 
in South Africa, all work visas, except for the critical skills for one year, but all work visas are issued uh, in, in the name of or uh, with a specific employer on, on the work visa. So um, obviously a change of entity might, you know, have consequences for the visa. And there are really three scenarios um, which, which you know, have different outcomes. The first scenario is very simple that somebody buys shares in an existing company. So the shareholding changes, but nothing else changes. And maybe the name is changed later from the same entity. And because the entity hasn't changed, which employs the foreigner, you don't really have to do anything with the visa. It can just continue. Um, the, 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 second, the second scenario is really when there's a new legal entity. Okay. Um, and, and, and there really, uh, we need to, we need to look if we have a group structure or not. So if there's a, if the purchaser wants to transfer the whole business into a new legal entity and it's within the same group, then yeah, Home Affairs advised us that you just have to notify Home Affairs because in the end, within the transferred group or within the transferred company, nothing changes. The foreigners still have the same understudies. The foreigners are still having the same obligation, the same responsibilities. Therefore, nothing really changes in terms of the work visa, the conditions. Um, and then obviously the, the, last, the last scenario is really if you sell a business unit to a completely unrelated purchaser and you bring it in into a brand new entity, well, then you need to change the work visa and that's actually you need to apply for a new work visa. So these are the three scenarios from an immigration perspective. Thank you. Just, just to add to that, Kirsten, I would suppose that in such a situation, Section 197 of the Labor Relations Act will apply and that uh, foreign employee will also have the same rights as the South African employee, employee uh, for a transfer of his employment obligations to the new company. Yes, yes, Johan, that's correct. So, as I said before, they would have the rights of the same rights as any South African employee, and they would then transfer with the business um, as a going concern. Thank you, uh, Kirsten. Thank you, Andreas. So, let's end off with tax again. June, could you explain to us the tax implication on the South African side of, you know, one of these expat assignments, you know, prematurely ending in South Africa, say, for instance, as a result of COVID-19? If the expat is not a South African tax resident, for example, the expat hasn't stayed in South Africa long enough to meet the physical presence test or has never intended to relocate to South Africa, South Africa permanently, uh, then it's, uh, then there are no exit taxes, um, no deemed CGT, um, on any, uh, in, uh, on any property which, um, is held, um, worldwide. Uh, then it's a question of, um, was there a settlement agreement, a settlement amount paid, which could qualify for severance benefit? And, uh, that would be the end of it. Um, the expat should, um, update any sort of, uh, tax registration details with SARS. Um, and then file the last annual provisional tax and the last annual return, um, and then update um, the uh, details of um, addresses, um, and, and that should be the end of it. Uh, there's no process to deregister from SARS once you are a taxpayer. Um, it's just a question of updating details um, and filing nil returns um, until the system automatically uh, deregisters the person. Thank you, June. Well, that 
brings these three sessions to an end. Um, I'd like to thank Andreas um, from IBN Immigration Solutions for his contribution, and then Kirsten Eiser and also June Chong from uh, Weber Wenzel for sharing their insights and for our listeners for joining us. If there are any matters on which you need specific advice, please contact us at Weber Wenzel or at IBN Immigration Solutions. This has been a Web Eventsal Legal Insight podcast. Our executive producer is Paula Yeowens, and this podcast is produced for Web Eventsal by volume. This is Johan Willifield signing off. Thank you for listening. You have been listening to Web Eventsal Legal Insights. You can find and subscribe to the podcast on all major platforms. For more expert legal insights and updates, visit webberwenzel.com.